five minutes past our scheduled time, so we'll get started and then uh, uh, we'll have other people join later. I can see names of all the attendees except one whose name comes up as Moto. I believe that's your phone. I request if you could just uh, edit your name so that we can identify you. And uh, while you do that, uh, welcome all of you to the weekly huddle session 47. We have been doing it weekly uh, every Wednesday for uh, kind of short of close to 10 months now. Um, and what we typically do is we pick up a basic topic which is relevant to our daily clinical practice and we engage in a casual interaction in terms of how we would have handled this particular situation, taking science background and uh, practical issues into account and share a more pragmatic uh, version of what we would uh, <clears throat> do to a particular patient or a particular scenario. Uh, most of you are well aware of the format of the huddle. It is not a speaker and an audience model, rather an audience interaction where each one of us share our own thoughts. Today's topic is very relevant to the upcoming month of uh, Ramadan, which starts today. Uh, so Ramadan Mubarak to uh, all the attendees who uh, do celebrate uh, Ramadan. And uh, the topic for today relates to uh, the modifications that uh, many patients often ask us before the Ramadan starts. So uh, we could have done this uh, session last week itself, but uh, last week we had something more important to discuss. So might well uh, today. So what I typically do is I start with a clinical case. I have my colleague, Dr. Praneet, give his initial impression, and then we go down our attendees list and uh, ask for their opinion. So uh, Praneet, this is a case scenario which I have already shared it in the chat box. It's a 60 year old female. She had a past history of diabetes uh, for the past 10 years. She's on insulin for about two years now. Her last A1C was about 7.5 and uh, without any hypoglycemic episodes, she has been managing reasonably well. She has a chronic kidney disease with a baseline creatinine running somewhere around 2 to 2.5. Her most recent creatinine was 2.2. She had a lateral wall MI uh, about eight months ago for which she underwent uh, primary PCI and her stay was otherwise uh, uncomplicated and her Creatinine function did not deteriorate post uh, myocardial infarction. She had uh, preserved her left ventricular ejection fraction at that time, and she had been doing reasonably well. That was eight months ago, and she's on routine medications, including dole antiplatelet, uh, oral hypoglycemic agents, antihypertensive agents, and pretty, pretty typical. She comes here for a routine follow-up. She does not have any obvious symptoms. She's leading her life what you would expect to a 60-year-old female at home, She's a housewife. She does not uh, uh, work. Uh, she came to you with her uh, routine checkup. Her vitals are okay. Her physical examination mostly is unremarkable. Her routine laboratories findings are also okay, except her CKD with her creatinine being around 2.2 this time as well. She asks you that uh, she desires to fast for Ramadan, and we all know that the fasting is from morning till um, early evening, I would say and that goes on for a month, today being the first day. And uh, she asks your permission to see if uh, she can fast safely. And secondly, is there any uh, modifications uh, to her medications, to her lifestyle, and to her diet that she needs to do? So Praneet, your suggestions, I have divided into five questions. One, would you advise her not to fast at all? If you would advise her against your rationale, what are the criteria typically that you use where you say fasting is okay in such patients? Any medication adjustments you do, any dietary advice that you give, and any behavior advice you give. Uh, so Praneet, you can take a few minutes to go through this, and then we will ask our audience uh, for their interaction. Yeah, good evening, everyone. So being born and brought up in Hyderabad, Ramadan is something which is uh, kind of uh, special to almost everyone. And uh, so you are encountered with Ramadan and now being in profession, uh, also have to uh, answer the questions related to Ramadan, particularly the fasting. Most of the patients, uh, they have a, uh, their appointment 
fixed a bit uh, early before Ramadan to get their questions answered because then something it is quite important for them. So uh, most of them they take it as a pride to uh, fast and uh, and most of them would definitely want to fast. So my uh, thought process and I am a bit uh, conservative, so I would encourage most of my patients to observe fasting. Uh, so I am a bit conservative in that regard. So this patient, uh, the way I look at is um, uh, six months post the acute coronary syndrome and relatively stable, no change of uh, drugs, no episodes of any heart failure, probably both CKD and the coronary artery disease seems to be in a stable fashion and equally diabetes probably well controlled and stable, no frequent change of medications or uh, anything. So for her, I would uh, say yes, you can uh, go for fasting. The things that uh, I would ask her is uh, to not to skip the medications at any cost. So the modifications is at, um, if there are any medications which need to be taken in the afternoon, I would suggest them to take it uh, either during uh, before they go into the fast or after they um, break the fast in the late evening. So I would uh, try to tell them that um, all these medications are supposed to be uh, taken in the 24 hour period and uh, the time frames which are convenient, you try to take it. So I would try to review their medication list, any medications which are uh, three times a day or something which needs to be taken in the afternoon. I'll try to uh, skip them into, um, push them into a twice daily thing. And I would try to prefer <clears throat> giving them longer acting uh, drugs uh, like beta blockers or uh, other uh, hypoglycemic agents or other things which uh, can be reasonably uh, manageable and uh, modifications and all again uh, when they break fast or uh, when they yeah uh, during the iftar when they want to break fast i ask them again to pay attention to what they are eating and uh, not to eat uh, more than what it is required and try to have moderate quantities and be conservative in not to push their limits and uh, it is okay not to push limits and uh, once in a while if things become too hard to be okay and uh, break the fast. Try to observe in a, a day or two. If you are comfortable, try to continue the entire month and uh, be flexible with uh, yourself one or two days. If uh, you, you are not able to uh, keep the fast, it's okay to break. So this is what I would uh, advise my patients. You know. Pranit, few follow-up questions and then we will uh, discuss with our attendees. One. Sure. Uh, these patients, when they are on long-acting sorbitrates, like typically a GTN sorbitrate twice daily, which is given at for our routine patients, we give it in the morning, and the mm. second dose we give it in early evening. Yeah. How do you handle sorbitrate dosing in these patients? So I would try to prefer to give them a longer-acting um, mononitrate uh, formulation. Uh, which can act for uh, about 12 hours. So that is one way of changing it. And if they only want to take this thing, then I ask them to take it uh, just before they go into the first and the second dose uh, just after they break their first. Second question is, there are certain drugs you give it TID, you cannot change it to twice daily or you prefer not to uh is there a way you handle you give them early in when they break fast and then late at night or you think those kind of regimens don't work you keep it twice daily so as as long as possible you try to modify the regimen so that it is uh, kind of okay where the pill burden is reduced try to make it uh, combinations and uh, so that the compliance will be better and uh, try to um Skip some of the drugs which you do not think are much essential and uh, try to make it as comfortable as it is for the patient so that uh, they are not even risking their health and equally they are able to observe their religious fast. Uh, if some of the drugs are extremely important and there is a possibility that uh, they are not able to stop this medication like for some patients who are requiring multiple tablets uh, for their management of diabetes and uh, 
if we stop them they go into uncontrolled diabetes and ketosis or what not then i would suggest them that this is too risky and then i would uh, suggest them not to go for fast so uh, try to reduce your pill burden make it uh, twice daily regimen as much as you can if uh, still not possible then uh, suggest them not to fast and then last question which i'm going to ask all my attendees is patients who are on diuretic how do you handle that yeah so this patient or uh, uh, those patients who require diuretic so most of the patients uh, depends on how much they are dependent on uh, diuretics and uh, what is their fluid uh, status or the hydration status those patients who are dependent on um, diuretics for management of their volume status so for them i would uh, uh, suggest them not to fast uh, because uh, that fluid uh, balance kind of uh, gets disturbed those who are kind of sos uh, requirement of diuretic for managing their heart failure if they are able to manage their fluid uh, uh, input output then uh, for them i would be okay and again the same principle ki take it either before you go into the fast or after you break the fast uh, for those whom the modifying the dose of diuretics is tricky or challenging or for who are kind of dependent for them i would suggest them not to fast perfect thank you so much pranit uh, let me go down the line and uh, let me get some expertise first then we'll go to general discussion uh, vrinda is an endocrinologist you all know her vrinda this patient on insulin and typically they are on some oral hypoglycemic as well walk us through how does ramadan and uh, these insulin and oral adjustments happen one particular question that i have as you talk about is is there a utility of switching their sulfonylurea to some other class of drug even when it is nicely under control so vrinda take it um hi good evening everyone so um so usually like you know in uh, um practically speaking um if i um, get to see a diabetic patient say at least a month before ramadan starts i think it gives us a lot of opportunity to you know titrate um, their medications doses to appropriate blood sugar control and talk about the risk of you know fasting not fasting um, during uh, this month um but uh, let's say keeping in mind the case that we have currently um so my take is that you know patients elderly patients who have um, any uh, other comorbidities especially ckd because that may increase the risk of um, you know developing hypoglycemia um you know um, i would try to talk to the patients uh, you know try to see where they are in terms of you know um, um how eager they are to keep the fast um usually uh, but Uh, like uh, dr pranir said you know um this is something which is very close to their heart so uh, keeping in line with their wishes if they really want to um, you know go for fast then um, you know especially for patients like this case scenario where the patient is using insulin um i uh, would be very uh, mindful of what kind of insulin they are using and then um, you know how we may taper it down to uh, reduce the risk for both hypoglycemia during the day and then the risk for also hyperglycemia that may be associated with uh, you know overeating uh, when they break um, their fast or during iftar so um, uh, it's important to analyze like you know what medications uh, anti hypoglycemics are being given in the morning or being given at lunch what are uh, what are they taking um, at dinner time and then how we need to actually titrate it for the month of uh, ramadan so um, say for this patient um you know i would if let's say this patient commonly like you know often times in india we see patients using premixed insulin so if they are using premixed insulin so, and Brenda, i have me, this let me yes. just interrupt you i'll tell you this patient's medication regimen this patient takes uh, glimepiride 1 mg twice daily okay. uh tenagliflozin 20 mg once daily and uh, mixed art insulin takes 22 in the morning and 16 in the evening that is this patient's current re- regimen 
okay so um so i'll start out with insulin so um for pre-mixed insulin as i was mentioning a lot of people take it um i would see if there is an opportunity if i say get to see them like say a couple of weeks or three weeks before ramadan starts i'll see if they can be switched to long acting basal insulin and then uh, life is easy with using um, basal insulin which can be given um, after iftar uh, in the evening and then um, uh, a rapid acting a short acting insulin like switching them to say in um, uh, novolog or humolog um, you know glulysine aspart um, you know if that can be given as a, a rapid acting bolus just with the iftar that can be taken up but let's say for this patient we don't have the opportunity to change the insulins in time um, then i would usually reduce the dose of the morning insulin um, Uh, roughly say by, by about say um 25 to 30% and then um uh, like keep the evening dose the same or maybe like in, have the option to increase it a little bit depending on the blood sugars but um, i would um, i would specifically reduce the medication use in the morning um so uh, for this patient i would say i'll continue the premixed insulin but reduce the dose um you know if this patient's a1c is 7.5 so i'm assuming she is not um uh, too bad in terms of glycemic control so i'll reduce the medic- morning medication dose by 25 to 30% and then um have these patients check their blood sugars i usually will tell them as a homework for like first two days you know check your blood sugars um you know say two to three times a day and then i also tell them that uh, you know um checking the blood sugars would not break their fast so um you know check their blood sugars and you know inform it to me so that we can better titrate the um, blood sugars but um uh, coming to glimepiride i'll usually stop the sulfonylureas for these patients um even though you know with the thought that longer acting sulfonylureas like glimepiride would be okay but i think um, uh, especially given the risk of hypoglycemia during the day and these patients that are already taking insulin so um you know the combination of sulfonylurea plus insulin would um, uh, increase their risk of developing hypoglycemia plus this patient has ckd so i would um, cut down or stop the sulfonylurea in this case essentially uh, dpp4 inhibitors like teniva teneliglipten are usually um, safer for use um they are okay for me i would switch their time so i would usually ask them to take any other oral antihypoglycemic agent be it metformin or teneliglipten in this case to take it um uh, when they break their fast so take it um, uh, in the evening time and uh, don't take it in the morning thank you vinda we will continue our discussion uh, may i invite uh... Neha, to give us some suggestions about uh, dietary modifications uh, in these patients. So, let's say a patient like this comes to you in heart failure clinic, who is on insulin, who is on cardiac medications. The medications have been adjusted by the doctors. They particularly need your advice in terms of what kind of dietary modifications they can do with reference to Ramadan fasting. And Neha, how would you guide patients like this? please unmute yourself first good evening all yeah. so sir so basically first thing is like in our city people they usually follow traditions and cultures when it comes to the month of ramadan like they like carbohydrate diet as a part of culture they include all kinds of high carbohydrate foods in their diet so first awareness about the diet has to be given to the patient to make sure that they do not end up with hypoglycemia episodes of hyper Hypoglycemia. So, as the most immediate risk with fasting is potential for hypoglycemia patients who are an anti-diabetic and especially on insulin, episodes of dehydration can also be observed, such as nausea, dizziness. So, therefore, first awareness about these things has to be given to the patients, and uh, specifically, uh, the people should understand the importance of healthy diet to be followed when they are uh, observing the fast. Uh, so in order to that they can include energy rich foods in the diet before starting the fast like they can include dry fruits in their diet so people here mostly they don't uh, follow for this so they go for like um, uh, salty foods masala items and more so instructions about these foods to be avoided in the diet will be should be first given to the patient and uh, including more vegetables and high fiber foods uh, should be eaten 
told to the patient and also i'll advise my patients to take one cup of curd before the before they observe the fast so that it soothes the stomach and also help in good digestion and after breaking the fast because the people are following a long uh, 14 hours fast continuously without water so they end up with taking high carbohydrate drinks such as fruit juices so that has to be avoided in their diet so they need to uh, know that they taking uh, plenty amount of fruit juices after breaking the fast when for cause hypoglycemia and also heart failure patients they will be having a restriction so these things should be first instructed to the patient so that uh, later they do not end up with any complications and also if such case like if any heart failure patient is observing fast uh, with insulin then uh, they need to be under dietary supervision also for at least a week so that we can understand like how what dietary changes he is Uh, following in his diet and how he how well he is doing with his diet. If so, if any changes are there or if any episodes of hypoglycemia, hypoglycemia are there, we can guide them and we can counsel them the right. Thank you, Neha, for your suggestions. Uh, we will move forward. We have got Dr. Radha with us. Dr. Radha is a, a dietetics expert at uh, AIG. She had joined us before in our previous huddle, sharing her expertise. Uh, Dr. Radha, we are talking about a 60-year-old female who has uh, diabetes, heart disease, recent MI, and uh, uh, chronic kidney disease with a creatinine of 2.2. This patient uh, is uh, seeking to fast for Ramadan, and Dr. Praneet, cardiologist, has cleared her for fasting. Uh, now she comes to you for dietary advice. Neha has already given her suggestions. How would you take up this patient? What kind of uh, suggestions uh, you would give to this patient, Dr. Radha? If you could unmute yourself. Yeah, thank you so much, and I'm really sorry to have been joining late uh, the, in the discussion. I had a patient, and I had to finish that patient review and then uh, come into this uh, program. Uh, see, uh, talking about Ramadan and uh, somebody who has heart failure, type two diabetic. first thing is you have to categorize them along with your medical team whether they are high risk or low risk patients because these are the patients who are fasting not risk of uh, dehydration is there and then could be hypoglycemia could be hyperglycemia depending on what kind of foods what kind of medication that they are taking so it depends on everything that it is a teamwork that happens first review the medications and see if they are on insulin then of course the, there has to be a little bit of education that has to be done that these patients have to be uh, knowing about carb counting because one unit of insulin is 15 grams of carbohydrate so are they accommodating their food in such a way that they take complex carbohydrates which will you know kind of adjust with the insulin if it is in the morning it has to be more complex carbohydrates so that you know the morning uh, uh, the dawn uh, eating or before the dawn that they eat should be with complex carbohydrates so that they sustain the whole day and then in the evening they kind of break it with a mix of uh, different kinds of carbohydrates so that it sustains and then the insulin change has to happen what is the kind of insulin that they are taking if they are because when you take 70 30 or when you take the long acting and the medium acting insulins then you have to know uh, how much to give carbohydrate what kind of carbohydrates what should be there or do they change do we change them to 50 50 which is like you know a mix of both and in hypoglycemia to prevent hypoglycemia what are the kind of foods that they take then to prevent dehydration what are the kinds of fluid fruit juices is one of them that they may take but then you have to look into the risk of dehydration for these patients especially if they are on oral hypoglycemic drugs some of them do could have this uh, dehydration risk in them so these are things as an overall approach you have to see and if they are ckd again there are a list of foods which if they are uh, diagnosed as being ckd there are a list of fruits and vegetables which they have to avoid so within that list the list becomes smaller and smaller with more number of diseases added to it so within that what can they do because the cardiologist has said yes for going in for uh, the ramadan fasting so that's how it generally happens but carb counting is the main thing that they have to learn 
I, I really don't know whether I did justice to the answer. So, uh, Dr. Radha, I have a few follow up questions to that. So, carb counting, uh, I remember talking to um, Vinda early on where it was pretty much standard when she was practicing in US coming back to India, it becomes a little bit difficult in your in your opinion or in your experience. How yes. practical it is for patients to do carb counting in India? How many what percentage of your patients do carb counting who are on insulin? Give, yes. give us a, give us a realistic uh, realistic picture that you see. Yeah, exactly. I have around five to eight percent of my diabetic patients wanting to know carb counting because they should be educated. They should be maintaining their glycemic uh, levels and then take them to the higher level of carb counting. There is something called as a basic carb counting and then there is an advanced carb counting. Basic carb counting is something that we can teach around 50 to 60% of the patients who come to us. It is just that I have to tell them the quantities of foods. Like, you know, two slices of bread is equal to so many grams of rice. And then I can say you can change. This is basic. But then how to change? I have to give them pictorial. I have to give them in quantities. They should be willing to do it. But... 100% is done by 5 to 6% of my patients. That's it. The rest don't do. But then, see, carb count in Ramadan, what is more important is I have to do the carb counting, not the patient. I have to say how many grams of carbohydrate have to be provided to this patient on so many units of insulin. So it's a homework for me. And that's and I kind of educate the patient on so much quantity of food you can have when you break your fast or when you kind of prepare in the morning before you start fasting. So that's how I have to prepare. So there are two sets of diets which I have to give. One for the morning, one for the night, and then during the night, what kind of fluids, how much fluids, so that he prevents uh, dehydration. Perfect. My follow-up question to you was actually uh, on your last statement, and that is, so as a cardiologist, two things I want them to do. And if you could help us identify some of the uh, objective pointers, the two things that I want is I want them to eat complex carbs in the morning. And yes. second, and second, I want them to eat or consume things which is going to keep them hydrated for rest of the day. So I can only give them the theory behind it. If I tell them to eat complex carb, they can't go to a store and buy complex carb. They need to know what no. exactly to buy. So uh, help us out in the morning food choices, A, for complex carb, and B, to keep them hydrated for the day. Yeah. See, complex carbs in the morning, if they are eating roti, then yes, I tell them, go ahead, eat the roti, but in that, whether they can mix a little bit of soy flour and make the roti for themselves at home. So that's kind of, you know, a mix of protein and complex carbohydrate. Wheat is a complex, whole wheat, for example. Or if they want to eat oats, yes, go ahead and eat oats. If they want to eat muesli, yes, go ahead and eat. Or I give them a choice that you can eat rice, no problem, but then eat lots of salad along with it. So, you know, it's a mix. And then... The glycemic index of the whole thing, this is another concept which we generally teach patients is, it's not about a single item and a glycemic index. It's about the whole meal glycemic index. You know, because that is what is more important than single foods that you take into consideration. So the glycemic index of the whole meal or the mixed meal drops down when you mix it with a protein and when you mix with vegetables and fruits. So that's what how we teach them. Oil is another thing which you attach to your complex carbs, so the whole glycemic index falls down. Watermelon, they eat a lot of watermelon, but you know, the glycemic load of watermelon is very high, though the index is very low. So I have to strike a balance on trying to give them something which has high glycemic index and low glycemic load along with watermelon. So that's a mix that then I have to do. So I have to give them choices of this kind. And then fluids again, it's again a mix. I tell them to eat oranges, drink orange juice with pulp, fresh orange juice without sugar added, but not watermelon juice. I tell them to eat pomegranate seeds, but not pomegranate juice. So that is what. I tell them to drink lassi, 
sorry, buttermilk, but not without salt if my patient has CKD again. So these are things that I keep. Once in a while, yes, coconut water is allowed. It's a taboo to say that, you know, diabetics are not allowed with coconut water, but yes, they can go ahead and have coconut water. Dates are allowed, but not only to break, just to break the fast, which they do eat. But then I tell them to eat more amount of more fibrous fruits, like, you know, uh, guavas, apples, pomegranates, papaya, musk melon is better than watermelon. So I tell them that you can eat watermelon, but mix it with something else, which is more complex. So these are things that these choice, and you know, I, I've told this in my meeting with all of you all before also, and now also I repeat the same thing. Diet counseling is time consuming. You have to spend time with the patient so that the patient really understands to implement. So we need to have patients in telling point by point, you know, everything has, you know, the same recipe can be made more nutritious for the diabetics, but it can be made healthier also. So you have to spend time in telling them how to prepare and what are the ingredients to add instead of, like soup, for example, they can have soup, but instead of adding corn flour, I tell them you add oats to it to thicken it. So this is like a complex carbohydrate. They have this thickened soup. And then it's also like, you know, preventing, uh, or it's a, it's a fluid. So this is how you have to make combinations, which they will like. So that is, you have to be a little innovative, little patient, spend time with them. Ma'am, last question to you. This question comes from Praneet. All of his patients want to eat Haleem. Is it allowed? What do you tell, tell the patients about yes. Haleem? Yes, it is allowed. Because Haleem is something that it's uh, actually... Less oil is one thing that I have to tell them, but the taste of Haleem comes with more oil, not necessary. At home, I do make Haleem during Ramzan time. I do have friends who help me out. It is whole wheat and the flesh, fleshy food. Let it be chicken or mutton or whatever, but chicken is more preferred than mutton because it's red meat and uh, a higher risk than chicken. But it is about grounding whole wheat. So it's, it's really good. You can have, but then portion control is something that we have to teach them. Oil control is something that we have to tell them that, see, you have something, but in a controlled environment. So that's how. Perfect. The patient, uh, patient won't come back to us if we restrict everything. Right. We have to give them everything, but in moderation. Right. Thank you so much, Dr. Radha. I'm going to go down my list and we'll go a little bit more clinical in our discussion. We heard from a dietetics expert and from endocrinologist. We'll get back to the clinical side of it. Uh, and I reiterate the clinical case that we have. It's a 60 year old female with diabetes, MI recovered and CKD planning to fast. Creatinine is 2.2 and on insulin. So we'll go back to clinical discussion a little bit. I have Dr. Ali with us. Dr. Ali is a cardiologist. Uh, Dr. Ali, if you could please unmute yourself and we'll go back to the clinical question. How comfortable you feel these kind of patients fasting? Uh, what are the things that you look into? If present, you tell them absolutely no for fasting and uh, the instructions that you give, the clinical instructions, medication adjustments that you do to your patients. Dr. Ali, if you could unmute yourself and share your thoughts. Dr. Ali, please unmute yourself and share your thoughts. We are not able to hear you. And while you do that, uh, let me uh, go on to other attendees. Looks like there may be some problem with your um, uh, mic. Uh, let us see. We have got Dr. Hari Kiran here. Dr. Hari Kiran, would you be uh, able to unmute yourself and share your thoughts about the clinical case that we are discussing? Dr. Hari Kiran is also a cardiologist. Yes, sir, please go ahead. Sir, sorry to answer, sir. I'm just into the meet. I'm not at all fully aware regarding the discussion prior. I'm just five minutes into the meet. So, okay, so we will we'll, we'll get back to you, Dr. Hari, because uh, we'll, we'll have other people share their thought and you will get a sense yes. of what we are discussing. We'll get back to you. Yeah, thank I'm, you. I'm muting you. Uh, okay. 
Dr. Praveen, you heard our discussion so far, and uh, I hope you got the clinical case as well. If you could unmute yourself and share your thoughts about this particular case. Um, good evening, sir. Uh, uh, regarding this case, if the patient uh, will come uh, regarding the opinion of me, uh, the first thing I would be seeing is uh, the her sugar levels uh, uh, in the last uh, two weeks. Uh, and then I would be adjusting the uh, dosage of the insulin. Probably I will be keeping a uh, basal insulin uh, rather than that of the uh, uh, two doses of insulin. And uh, if she is on any oral hypoglycemic agents, uh, I would uh, uh, skip off using them. Uh, if it is uh, metformin, uh, that is, would be fine to take her before the uh, initiation of her fasting. Otherwise, if it is a sulfonylureas, I would not be um, asking her to take because of the risk of uh, the hypoglycemia and all that. And if she is on uh, any of the uh, other uh, cardiac drugs which should be uh, related to her daily activity, uh, then I would uh, cuttle them down uh, based upon the activity she will be doing uh, during her fasting. Say, for example, if she is all through the day active and she is on uh, the beta blockers, I would not uh, advise her uh, beta blockers uh, if she is uh, during her fasting, if she is uh, she stays just at the uh, home rather than her uh, usual routine activities. And uh, coming to the nitrates, sir, which uh, because she underwent uh, primary PCA and if she is on nitrates, I would uh, keep her on uh, um, the long acting nitrate again. Uh, uh, probably the isosorbide mononitrate uh, rather than that of the usual uh, uh, nitrates which we use. And uh, if uh, the patient is on uh, any diuretics, uh, I would uh, stop using uh, the diuretics, sir. And uh, regarding the diets, uh, uh, there were a lot of inputs from the dietitian, but uh, before the start of the lecture, I would uh, advise them not to take the uh, juices which would be fluctuating her uh, blood sugars. And the other thing is uh, not to take, uh, usually what they will be doing is they will be consuming a lot of uh, salty food uh, so that they can be active all through the day. Uh, I would advise them not to take that. And uh, regarding the uh, Halim also, I have no idea, sir. And uh, after the opinion of the dietitian, we came to know that they can have the Halim. Thank you so much, uh, Praveen. We are going to move ahead with other attendees. Let me ask Dr. Shankar's opinion. Dr. Shankar is a physician who had been a regular attendee for our huddle. Dr. Shankar, you heard uh, all of us kind of uh, chiming in our own thought process. Uh, your suggestions to this patient. Uh, good evening to all. Uh, first of all, uh, uh, happy Telugu New Year to all and uh, Eid Mubarak also uh, to our uh, Muslim friends. Uh, this is uh, quite interesting and a complicated and a complex case. Uh, patient uh, is a 60 years old lady with a 10 years of uh, duration of diabetes and uh, recent uh, myocardial infarction and underwent uh, primary PCI. And now her serum creatinine is 2.2. It comes to stage 4 uh, CKD. Uh, so her uh, EGFR is 24 ml per minute. Uh, so, uh, so first of all, whenever uh, a patient uh, like this uh, insists, uh, though there are uh, religious sanctions are there, they can get exempted uh, from fasting also. But uh, because of their uh, firm belief in their uh, religion, uh, so they may insist for uh, fasting. When, uh, when they insist for, uh, to observe fasting, the onus lies with the uh, primary care physician to observe the fast, smoother, safer, and effectively to complete uh, her fasting. So, the burden lies with the uh, physician, primary care physician especially. Uh, so, uh, 
before uh, uh, whenever the patient uh, wants to go for fasting i advise them to come to my clinic uh, at least uh, one to two months before uh, ramadan so that uh, i will uh, check up meticulously whether uh, she is fit for uh, fasting or not because if there is a poor hypoglycemic poor glycemic control is there then uh, recurrent episodes of hypoglycemia uh, if there is any history of ketoacidosis within the past 3 months before ramadan so all these things uh, we will ask uh, if the patient has got any acute illness and any intense labor and all in the year this patient has got uh, uh advanced macrovascular complications are there and a renal disease uh, uh, stage 4 so renal disease on dialysis we don't advise uh, fasting so here she comes under a moderate risk because she is on oral drugs and as well as uh, insulin and uh, ckd 4 and uh, i think uh, she might be fairly controlled with the uh, Uh, oral drugs and insulin so if she insists on uh, fasting uh, i i have to take the burden uh, responsibility to see that uh, her fasting is smoother and safer so here uh, if the patient is on glimepiride this is a long acting uh, second generation sulfonylurea actually we uh during ramadan sorry during uh, ramadan uh, if the patient uh, there is no other uh, way to start uh, sulfonylureas we give a short acting sulfonylureas are there like a glipizide uh, uh 2.5 or 5 mg glipizide can be given uh, even twice daily also so instead of uh, glimepiride we can switch on to uh, short acting glipizide suppose if the patient insists on glimepiride because it suits me well then the glimepiride dose in the morning that pre dawn me pre dawn meal that is known as suhoor where we make it half uh, how one this patient is taking 1 mg bd so we make 0.5 mg uh, in the pre dawn uh, meal uh, then 1 mg is usually at the iftar or the sunset meal and a tenagliptin she is taking tenagliptin there is no robust uh, cv data uh, regarding the can tenagliptin uh, though it can be given safely in uh, renal patients but uh, there is uh, uh, some evidence that uh, qt prolongation will be there with the tenagliptin i don't give tenagliptin in this case and though she is already a cardiovascular disease patient so i change it to linagliptin in this case linagliptin is safer it has it is recently in uh, carolina and carmelina trials it is shown that it is non inferior to sulfonylureas also and it can be safely given uh, in a renal patients and cardiorenal benefits are there with the tenagliptin uh, this uh, linagliptin so i change uh, this patient on to short acting sulfonylureas like glipizide uh, low dose preferably 2.5 mg twice daily and uh, tenagliptin instead of tenagliptin i switch on to linagliptin of 5 mg od and regarding the insulin she is on a premix insulin i think i assume that her blood sugars are under very good control so she is on a, a premix insulin mixed and morning 22 and evening 16 so the dictum is during ramadan the previous uh, pre ramadan dosage of uh, in the morning should be shifted to iftar sunset meal and uh, the e- previous uh, evening dose has to be shifted to morning dose 
but at the same time it should be halved she is uh, evening dose is a 16 so she has to take eight units in the morning before uh, uh, dawn so and there's 22 units of uh, premixed insulin can be taken in the evening uh, at, at the time of iftar uh, this is regarding the uh, assuming that uh, her uh, blood sugars are under well good control uh, with the smbg self monitoring of the blood glucose levels if she uh, does the regularly and uh, as a dietitian and uh, as a endocrinologist they have opened that uh, this carb counting and correctional dosages this is a little cumbersome but uh, uh, the primary care physician or the endocrinologist uh, the has to take lot of responsibility to see that uh, she is uh, uh, you glycemic throughout uh, this uh, during ramadan period and uh, one uh, the regarding the the dietary advices they have given very good advices uh, we here in my place there is no dietitian i am the sole whole and sole to uh, look after them so i advise them to take a low calorie diet with the low fat and the low carb a uh, low carbohydrate diet and advise them to take a whole wheat bread semolina the semia the vegetables beans and the fruits should be encouraged and one more thing this uh, during ramadan we get uh, hypoglycemia hyperglycemia dehydration ketosis the thrombosis uh, so many complications will be there during uh, ramadan Uh, in a uh, uh, diabetic patients so to avoid uh, dehydration i ask them to drink uh, sufficient water uh, even coconut uh, water also between iftar and sleep so so during that time only uh, they can be encouraged to take uh, uh, water and one more thing i i tell them pre dawn meal the suhoor It should be taken as late as possible. For example, if they want to start, uh, for example, the children will come and uh, they will start uh, fasting. So just before that, as late as possible, before the start of the daily uh, fast, uh, this uh, pre-dawn meal can be postponed, so that uh, at least it covers the prolonged fasting. of more than 14 hours they will fast they don't take food and water so i advise them to um, take a pre dawn meal as late as possible so this is these are my dietary advices this is my medication uh, things uh, i will be happy if i am enlightened more with this article thank you one and all perfect sir thank you so much uh, whatever you spoke was very practical very uh, very um, applicable to the patient subset that we have we're going to move forward i will uh, request dr somar raju to suggest his opinion and sir i have a particular question for you uh, while you uh, share your thoughts about this particular case that we are discussing uh, patients who are on warfarin and uh, for whom we are maintaining uh, a higher inr for whatever reason be it valve disease or atrial fibrillation or what not uh, any particular advice that you give to these patients or you make any changes or modifications to that uh, along with the routine cardiac patient that we are talking about somaraju sir anup thank you very much uh, it was a, an extremely interesting uh, discussion but uh, i'll uh, take a completely different point of view uh this patient has a coronary artery disease this patient has diabetes this patient has ckd so all uh, comorbidities and also 60 years plus and also a housewife considering all this i would say something like human life is the most important resource on earth it exceeds even the importance of religiosity and uh, the patients that i have seen and i have been seeing for some more than 40 years now 
99.9% of them, when you tell them you have a difficulty during this time, it will be difficult to maintain uh, your uh, cardiovascular problem, kidney problem, and also, uh, say, diabetes. Don't do fasting. Avoid it. They will be too glad to know that. They want to, to be told to them in front of their families. And that is a psychological issue also involved in it. And having said that, be aware that one of you said twice a day dose requirement of uh, nitrate, long acting. When a patient uh, of this kind required a twice a day dose of nitrate, they are already importantly significant angina they have, they should not be fasting any in any manner. They should be excluded. And uh, when somebody says that you eat, uh, you take coconut water, you take fruit juice, you also take high-protein diet in the name of some of the preparations they have, with a CKD of more than 2.5 and uh, cardiovascular other problems they have, Hyperkalemia is the most dangerous. I, the first evidence of hyperkalemia is sudden death. So I'll advise this patient not to fast. And 99.9% .9 of the time, they were too glad to hear that. That's the way I practice, and I'll continue to practice that way. Thank you. Sir, your thoughts about warfarin therapy? And uh, because... Uh... There is a relative dehydration in these patients. Uh, is there any modification you do or you take it as the INR comes around? Uh, warfarin, uh, I don't think there is a significant change in the experience of what we went through. And sir, how about physical activity in this particular patient subset? Now, this is a housewife that we are dealing with. But uh, if you have a gentleman who kind of walks around and uh, minds his business, uh, do you restrict their physical activity during the daytime? No, I don't advise them fasting. I'll tell you very clearly. You don't advise them fasting. Perfect. Uh, I think absolute, that... absolute. That is absolute. You human are predict... life, again to tell you to tell all of you, human life is the most important resource on earth. Religiosity comes next. I think, sir, you are you are absolutely uh, wide and clear, loud and clear that uh, patients with risk factors. So I chose this particular patient for, for this reason, because while this patient has got all the comorbidities, she had been doing reasonably well. And I think this is where uh, a few of us, we kind of uh, make our point either ways. Uh, what you said is pretty clear that this patient has enough of risk factors and comorbidities that things can go wrong and most likely they will go wrong and it is advisable not to fast. On the other hand, we heard from other colleagues uh, who uh, are of this opinion that even when they have these comorbidities, because they have been nicely controlled, one can take a chance and uh, the both the school of thoughts, the points are well taken. And that is one of the reasons why I brought up this. Will be in such a patient with a coronary artery disease will be sudden death. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I hear you. I hear you, sir. I absolutely hear you. I absolutely hear you. And I'm I'm trying to justify the rationale of why I chose this particular case for for the very simple reason that uh, uh, the decision making between uh, a setup, a risk factor, a comorbidity, comorbidity setup, plus where things are very nicely controlled. So should we take that nicely control into account and give patients a chance understanding that uh, their psychological well-being is equally important? I know, but I have something here. Yes, sir. Added to all this, we have the COVID times. Yes, Most yes. Of yes. Are here, won't even be available on telephone. Yes. We are not available also. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. I think that you 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 make your point i uh, i concur you make your uh, you make a very solid point and that is the whole rationale of us discussing and trying to understand how we make decisions and uh, your points are well taken that now we are talking about covid situation now we are talking about situation where in case if they do require help 
help may not be that readily available as what it would have been two years ago. Uh, Vinda, if you are there, I have one question for you. Patients who are on SGLT2 inhibitors, when they fast for Ramadan, is it okay to continue modification, no modification? How do you handle? Not this case, creatinine 2.2, she's not on SGLT2, but those patients who are on. Um, so with SGLT2 inhibitors, I I would make sure I, it's, a not, it's not a new medication initiation. So um, if the patients have been doing relatively well, like they've been on this drug for a few months before um, Ramadan starts, um, I am, um, you know, I, I'll definitely evaluate, you know, is that patient a 60 plus person at um, a risk of, you know, postural hypotension using any other like, um, you know, diuretics or, um, you know, um, risk for dehydration has to be taken into account during the real time. So if I'm feeling a little bit uncomfortable, like, you know, with this all background history, like they're elderly, frail people, could fall, could get dehydrated. I usually will stop SGLT2 inhibitor. And, um, you know, we all understand that, you know, um, you know, SGLT2 inhibitors have had these documented reports of uh, DKA, diabetic ketoacidosis. Uh, so I worry about like the starvation ketosis and everything too. So, um, um, but um, like if for patients, like I'm okay, younger patients doing well, then I'll switch their SGLT2 inhibitor to be used in the evening with the iftar meal. So I'll switch their time of um, taking the medication from morning to, to evening. Perfect. Thank you, Vinda. It is 8.02. I open the session for general discussion. If anybody has got any thoughts to share, please unmute yourself. And if anybody has got any questions to ask, uh, you can either type your question in the chat box or you can unmute and ask your question. Uh, we will stay on for another maybe a minute or two uh, for anybody to share their thoughts or questions before we close. And, and while you gather your thoughts, uh, just to break the silence, I'll invite one more, one more opinion. I have Dr. Srinivas here with me. He is a cardiologist at Banjara. A lot of you know him. Dr. Srinivas, do you have anything to add about today's discussion that we are having? The same thing, Dr. Anup, what uh, Dr. Samrajusa was saying. Definitely, I would uh, say no to fasting in this kind of a patient. That to fasting for a period of one month, uh, creatinine being high, 60-year-old, uh, definitely no. Uh, today itself, I had a patient in the OP and I managed to convince her not to go on fasting. So, yes, all of us, I think we should uh, put in more time to convince the patient not to go on fasting. I'm sure a lot of patients will listen to this. Right, and uh, I think that was the decision-making that we were talking about in terms of uh, whether patients should go on fast or not, what should be our professional opinion. And also the idea of discussion is those patients who do want to go to fast, how do we facilitate that fasting? And I think a lot of our discussion was geared towards facilitating that fasting, understanding that it may not be the most ideal thing to do in this kind of patient subset. But uh, uh, I think that what we shared was a lot of thought process in terms of how we make decisions in terms of either oral drugs or insulin or their dietary modifications and whatnot. And truly speaking, most of the patients that we are going to get in our clinic may not be as complicated as the one that uh, I brought up for today's discussion. But I think that from today's discussion, we can use these uh, um, tips and tricks for those patients who are less complicated than this, in whom we don't have uh, reservations going against fasting and there we can use uh, today's discussion to also facilitate our decision making. Uh, I'm still holding on for a few more seconds if anybody has got any thoughts or questions or comments. And if not, then uh, we will wind up today's session. Uh, Praneet, your uh, closing comments summarizing what we discussed today uh, before I uh, end up the session. 
yeah uh, definitely an interesting discussion that we had a lot of uh, take homes uh, as you rightly said the decision to fast is uh, probably individual and uh, uh, it has a lot of responsibility uh, from the physician or the caretaker also to facilitate the decision of uh, the fasting taking into consideration the health issues that the patient has probably spend some time and uh, explain the patient about his uh, clinical condition about the risks of associated of uh, going to fast and uh, once the decision is been taken uh, respect the decision of whether to fast or not to fast and as you are saying uh, if the decision is to fast then how can we make it uh, safe and uh, <clears throat> facilitate that the process of fasting from the tips which has been suggested into avoiding large portion of meals or uh, avoiding uh, uh, high carbohydrate diet high glycemic foods and uh, what not and then uh, chat up and uh, as uh, mentioned by the dietitian as well spending a lot of time understanding about uh, their uh, patterns and uh, hopefully uh, come to one conclusion where uh, things can be smoother where it's kind of a win win situation both to the patient and the uh, caretaker or the physician. That's what I could uh, uh, take from this center. I have one question for the uh, attendees. If anybody could share share their thoughts into this. So Ramadan fasting is a global phenomenon. It is something that a big portion of our society does it, and uh, a few of them do have uh, medical risk factors. I wonder if there are community support groups which are there in individual cities or individual societies or communities where patients can share their own thought process and share experiences on a more scientific ground rather than on more beliefs or religious ground. Do we know of any such support group that we have either virtual or physical where uh, people can share their thoughts in terms of how they manage their fasting with heart disease or with uh, like you know how alcohol anonymous and those kind of things are there in western world Do, does anybody know if we have got any such community support group uh, anup uh, there is one uh, guideline published by diabetic association and uh, it's worthwhile going through that uh, during ramadan Thank you, sir. Uh, any other uh, ideas? Anybody knows if uh, there is any initiative by any organization, if there is anything that patients can access to, uh, which is obviously not driven by doctors. When I say support groups, they are mostly community support groups where there are thought leaders uh, in that particular field uh, who are able to discuss with the patients. If uh, if nobody can come up with right now, I would request if. Uh... Uh, I just want to say one thing. Yes, sir. While I say in this patient, uh, I'm, I talk negatively about advising fasting. Uh, fasting is an extremely important uh, component for healthy life. Uh, outside Ramadan, I'll leave it at that. Right, thank you, sir. There is a there is a there is a complete science behind that, and of course, hopefully, in fact, you give me a hint. Uh, maybe next time or in the future, I will talk about the science behind fasting in one of the huddle session. I think it will be a good discussion, not not related to Ramadan, but as a general, the science of the science behind fasting and how it relates to the health. But what I was requesting is, if any of the attendee, if they do find out any kind of support group, uh, which help. No. Yeah. Yeah, Neha, you have something to add, yeah? Yes, sir. Actually, I want to share this, sir. So there is a, this thing called International Diabetes Federation. So recently they have collaborated with diabetes and Ramadan, and they have issued certain guidelines based on clinical evidences to help healthcare professionals support, uh, to support their approach to safely guide people or patients with diabetes to fast in this holy month. So as per these guidelines, this uh, International Diabetes Federation, they have classified diabetic patients into three different groups according to the 
risk that fasting would impose like patients with uh, uh, frequent hypoglycemic episode, frequent hypoglycemia episodes and effect of certain medications on body sugar level. So it's a good uh, write up, sir. You can uh, you can go through this. They have uh, they have even have research ongoing on this. Sir. Perfect. Thank you, Neha, for sharing that. If you don't mind uh, offline sharing that link to me, either WhatsApp or email, and I'll share it with uh, the attendees here. Uh, and if, uh, sorry. Definitely, sir, I'll share it. Yeah, thank you. And uh, if any one of you do find any uh, community support group which are in place, maybe there is something in your community, maybe there is something in your city. If you have something like that, please share that with me as well. I'd be interested in learning about it and uh, sharing it with my attendees as well. Having said that, it is 8.11. I'll close the session. I thank each one of you for participating. Uh, as I said, we have been doing this every Wednesday and next Wednesday also will come up at uh, 7 p.m. as well. I'm inviting topics that we should be discussing on these forums. So if there is something that you think we should discuss in a casual format like this, please reach out to me and I'll be very happily uh, incorporating in our discussion. Thank you all for your time and participation. Good night and we'll see you next Wednesday.